and talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. My name is Alex and I get to be a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. At Messiah, we're using a three-year Bible reading plan to tackle the Bible and get through it and read all of it because it's one of the best ways we can grow up in our faith and not only reading the Bible, but also talking about it because we want to have conversations about God's Word. That's what it means to grow up and talk, which is the name of this podcast. And on the podcast today, I have with a special guest, Kevin Land. Kevin, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are. Uh, well, I'm a member of Messiah, and I go to Lutheran High School in San Antonio. I love to sing, play the piano, and I'm on the soccer team, so that's pretty fun. You are on the soccer team? Are you serious? I am. Dude, I did not know yeah. that. What position do you play? Yeah, I'm usually uh, right or left wing. Okay, so yeah. you're a, so you run. I do. Wow. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Whew. Yeah, I play soccer. Sucks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That that is not the fun part. Um, I played goal goalie for a while um, when really? I was in grade school. Yeah, I really liked that. I really liked goalie. Um, I played yeah. goalie. Actually, there was a guy who was better than me, but he let me play goalie because he was on a select team where he played goalie. Because so he was on a better team where he played goalie. So he had his goalie fix in, so he didn't need to play goalie for our Lutheran grade school. So he let me play goalie, the inferior one. Um, anyways, I played uh, soccer when I was in high school and my freshman year and, and broke my nose. Um, oh, yes. I, I got hit in the nose. It was actually the two Lutheran high schools. So I went to Lutheran South in St. Louis, and then there's Lutheran North. Um, so... Uh, Luther, we were playing Lutheran North and this guy did this like turnaround move where he accidentally like elbowed me right in the nose. And he's like the super skinny oh. dude. He is not the kind of person that you would think would break your nose, but he just spun around, did this move. I was the defender. Um, cause I was a little bit of a goalie, but I wasn't on varsity. So I was, they put me as defender cause I, cause you know, that guy that I told you about from grade school, mm -hmm. well, he was on the team too. So. He was the goalie, and I was the defender. And this guy kind of did this twirl move, and it elbowed me, hit my nose, and I was like, oh, you know, and like I'm all hazy and everything. My eyes are watering and all that. And I fall down to the ground, and I see a little bit of blood, and I go over to the bench, and I'm like, hey, something doesn't feel right with my nose. Is my nose okay? And they were laughing at me. Because it was just so messed up. It was just so, like, it was so obviously broken, and I just couldn't see it. And I got, like, one good look at it um, in, the, in the windshield of the, or the car window of the lady who took me to the ER. And then by that time, it had swollen up. So, anyways, I had to have no surgery to fix it, but... Um, anyway, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, today's podcast episode is talking about soccer stories, everyone. Um, but Absolutely. Kevin, yeah, thanks for being on the show, and hopefully we can just uh, have a conversation about what's going on here. 
Uh, today we're going to cover the readings that go from November 14th through November 20th. So if you are a tried and true three-year Bible reading plan person here at Messiah, or you're somehow following the plan of Messiah th for three years and you're not a part of Messiah, um, but you're still following the plan, props to you. Today on the podcast, though, we're going to tackle 1 Kings 3-4, to and that's enough for us at the end of a long day. So let's do a quick overview of what's going on here. In 1 Kings, as we talked about last week, um, is a book that kind of transitions from David's reign to Solomon's reign. So we see that in the first two chapters. And David's given his last words to Solomon in, in chapter uh, 2. And and then, like, they, they've skipped this in Chronicles, but it's in 1 Kings. They actually plan some assassination attempts in chapter 2. So not a real good way to go out in the world. It's like, oh, here are my last words for you, son. And by the way, go kill these people. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, it's just a just shows the sinfulness of the people in the Bible, and they're, they're people that are broken, but God still calls David a man after his own heart. And now we see Solomon being established on the throne, and that's where we get to in chapter 3. So Solomon prays for wisdom. God appears to him in this dream one night, and um, he says, Ask for anything you wish. And Solomon is saying, God, seriously, man, I am like, I'm just a kid, I'm the king, my dad's old, he's dying, I really need some help, <laughs> help me out. Like, seriously, man, give me wisdom. And poof, the wisdom is given to him. And so he becomes the wisest person um, to ever live, um, or besides Jesus. But, um, because I think even Jesus says someone greater... Oh, no, that was John the Baptist who says someone greater than Elijah is here. But, but anyways, um, but, but Solomon becomes really wise, uh, like world-renowned fame about, his, about how wise he is. So he um, uh, settles a dispute between two prostitutes who were living together, and each had a kid. One of the kids died, and they argue over whose kid is or who whose kid is is the living kid because there was one of the prostitutes that switched the kids uh, out so that um, the prostitute who had the son that was living woke up and there was a dead kid in front of her even though she looked closer and she realized that's not my kid somebody stole my kid and kidnapped him see that's where we get that word from kidnapped um and uh, so then they take it to Solomon, and this is like his first recorded display in history of his wisdom. And he, they say, you know, this, they both argue, or they both claim that this is their son, the one that is living, because uh, one of the sons died, and there's only one left, and there's two ladies, and they say, this is my son. And Solomon said, all right, well, let's grab a sword and cut them in half, and each one can have a half. And so that's when the real mother says, no, let the other lady keep the kid. Because a true mother um, would do anything to uh, keep their child alive. And so that's how Solomon figures out in his wisdom uh, that who the real mother is. So, uh, And then I think he, uh, 
punishes the I don't know if it says if he punishes the the lady who lied, but it does yeah. say that he gives um he gives the child back to um the real mom. So he solves that. And then it goes into in chapter four it goes into Solomon's officials, um the people who had different roles and who surrounded Solomon. And then it talks about at the end of chapter four Solomon's great wisdom and how just magnificent his his riches were, his wisdom was, and how people all over the world and in those days all over the world wasn't as much as we think about today because they didn't have um, cars and airplanes um, or COVID-19. Actually, they probably yeah, they didn't have COVID-19. They had COVID-2000 BC. <laughs> Just that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but they, had, uh, they did not have the means of transportation that we have today in all seriousness. So their idea of the world was smaller than our idea of the world. But still, if you think about Jerusalem and expanding all the way to Egypt and like even the Mediterranean and maybe Europe and, and the East and like India and uh, um, what was called Arabia back then or, or the Middle East or whatever, um, uh, what we know today as like Iraq and Saudi Arabia and, and all those things. Um, that was beyond, that was all surrounding kind of the land of Judah where Jerusalem was, where Solomon was king. And, and, um, and his, so all of the, his, his fame spread by word of mouth about how wise he was. So that's how amazing his wisdom was. And he became really, and God also granted him riches and honor. So he was like, like the end of chapter four, it's just kind of showing us the scale of Solomon's riches and honor that God also promises to him. So that's what's going on here. Uh, what stood out to you, Kevin, as you were reading these chapters? Honestly, the fact that Solomon had enough wisdom to know he couldn't lead the people of Israel well without mm. a little power. Yeah. Dude, yeah, that's crazy. Like, honestly, I probably would have never thought to ask something like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good point. But, uh, you know, I think he has a moment that we've all had in our lives where it's like, oh, man, what does he say? Oh, um, I'm trying to look to see. Oh, yeah. And now, oh, Lord, my God, this is verse seven of chapter three. You have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not how to go know how to go out or come in. It's like we've all had that freak out moment where we're like, I can't do this. Yeah. I need some serious help. And um, he has that moment. But that's a good point, Kevin, that he had at least the wisdom that God had already given to him before he got all the supernatural wisdom. Um, God had gifted him enough and, and had, I think that's the working of the Holy Spirit to cause him to ask for such an important thing. Um, and um, although, even though he had a lot of wisdom, we learned later on that he used his riches and honor in unwise and uh, unhelpful, uh, unlawful and sinful ways. But at the end of his life is when he writes the book of Ecclesiastes, and that's when he kind of has his little turnaround moment, his come-to-Jesus moment, and 
says God, you know, it's it's good to obey the the laws of God. Um, so, anyways, yeah, that's that's cool. Um, I think what stood out to me was just um, the splendor and riches of Solomon. Something that I'm reminded of is you know how Jesus talks about. I mean, Solomon built the temple, so he's his fame in is like David is famous in Israel in the history of of God's people. But Solomon is really famous as well. He's not only famous in the history of God's people, but he's famous around the world, not only in his time, but also in Jesus's time, years after Solomon's reign. And, um, you know, because they they have, uh, I guess, the colonnade, Solomon's colonnade or Solomon's portico is where um, I think Peter gives the speech after after Jesus's resurrection and tells them like you guys crucified Jesus now you need to repent and a bunch of people believe and that's in the book of acts and and Jesus says like not even Solomon like look at the grass of the field look at the not even Solomon in all his splendor was was dressed like one of these and Jesus pointing to creation so Jesus is adhering to the fame of even Solomon um uh, because he was so well known uh, by yeah. the people of by God's people and also just people of all different cultures, and I think that's the thing that really stands out to me. And I read a note that said, you know, it talked about people from the east came, and uh, how he um, at the end of chapter four he he spoke all these proverbs and songs, and that's probably referring to the book of Proverbs and the book of. Song, Song of Songs, and he also wrote Psalm uh, 72 and Psalm 127 or something like that, I think, I yeah. saw. He spoke of trees. Um, oh, here, here's the end of chapter 4, like verse 33 and, and 34. He spoke also of the beasts and the birds, of reptiles, of fish. And so all the, the, peop- the people of all the nations came to hear the wisdom from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So... Like, back in those days, and this was a note that I read in one of my study Bibles, was that back in those days, um, the ability to learn through observing, like, the world, the natural world, in other words, science, um, was (laughs) particularly, like, it 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 was a really significant way of showing your wisdom especially in the uh, the eastern area, like uh, what we know as the Middle East today or, um, you know, even beyond, like in India and that kind of thing. So that was con- like scientific knowledge and observation were considered to be like extraordinary um, in those days. And so Solomon has some of that. It's clear. So I think that stands out to me as well. Uh, anything else that stands out to you, Kevin? Or anything that was concerning or confusing to you as you read? Uh, well, Solomon does have like really good wisdom and stuff, but as you said earlier, even in, in his later years, he still falls into sin and stuff like that. Yeah. It just goes to prove uh, Romans three twenty three, hmm. you know, and all humans are sinners, and only God can change that. So Amen. that's just something unnoticed. Amen, brother. Amen. Pointing to Jesus. Um, what else? Oh, there was something that I read. Is uh, he's already 
sinning. He's already fallen into sin. Um, I, this was interesting. I just kind of stumbled upon this. So there's a part about all the horses that he keeps. I think it's, yes, the uh, second section of chapter 4 where he says um, in verse 26, Solomon also had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots. And some manuscripts and stuff and other sources say it was only 4,000. But the point is that he's actually breaking a law that was laid out for the people of Israel in Deuteronomy where God says, don't keep for yourselves horses. And the reason that God said that was because um, he was saying to them, you know, don't keep for yourselves a lot of horses because you're not going to need to go anywhere. You know, trust me that you're going to stay here. You're going to stay put. You're not going to need to go anywhere. You have no need of these horses uh, that are going to transport you uh, to collect that many of them. You, you know, use what you need for transportation, but you don't need a lot of them. You know, you're going to stay put. And so he's kind of already distrusting God and kind of, you know, I mean, think about like a young kid. I mean, you hear about yeah. like sports stars, like professional sports stars, and they, they, they're they young, they're in their 20s, and they just don't know how to handle all the fame, all the, the riches, all the, the stuff, um, right. and uh, they just get wide-eyed, and, and then they end up getting broke, and that's a common story in professional sports, is, is, is professional mm-hmm. athletes going broke, and it, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Um, I'm sure that it was a lot for him to handle. But he did have the wisdom, like you said, and uh, that carried him throughout his life, um, especially in giving us wise sayings and proverbs and um, a wise revealing and song of songs and also Ecclesiastes. So he turned around. God God stayed with him the whole time, kind of like you said. So um, anything that was confusing for you or any questions that you had or was it pretty straightforward for you? I mean, it's pretty straightforward for me, really. I mean, I didn't really get confused at anything. It was pretty straightforward. That's because Solomon was so wise. You knew (laughs) exactly what he was talking about. I think the amazing thing is the story between the two prostitutes. um, Mm -hmm. And just like, it's like, you know, figuring out like who's, um, would be the real mother and, um, yeah, doing that test. So that's a really amazing story. Um, like Sherlock Holmes. Like Sherlock Holmes, brother. Like Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> exactly. All right, what gives you hope as you're reading this, um, uh, these chapters? Well, the way I look at it is if God can give Solomon such vast wisdom and wealth just because he asked for it, like who's to say we can't do the same with us? Like all we have to do is ask for God to help us through like certain things and it doesn't have to be like a great extravagant prayer or like God visits us, visits us in a dream you know like we can just ask hey God I need some help on this decision that I'm trying to make and he'd probably give it to us you know yeah amen I, I like that that's a good and I like that you said that it's, it doesn't have to be a big extravagant prayer because a lot of times you know people say oh I'll pray about that or or, you know, like I was always encouraged by mentors growing up, like, hey, you know, pray about your decisions. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, so 
what prayer do I say? <laughs> like, what I, right. it's like, what am I looking for? You know, I, we kind of, sometimes we're looking for that dream. Um, but it's like, I think, I think you're right. And it's like, just pray the prayer, you know, God help me with the, just with, uh, the decision, help me to figure it out. Um, and then you just do your best. And sometimes you, you, you learn that, whoops, that wasn't the will of God or that wasn't what God wanted me to do. Um, yeah. so I think I will go this way instead or whatever. So I think there's room for that as well. Um, yeah, cool. All right. Well, we are going to take a break. Um, there's only two chapters here, so we've covered a lot already and, um, we'll take a break and come back with our last question. Hey, welcome back from that break. I hope it was um, restful for you. I hope you were able to uh, just really digest all of that wisdom that was just laid on you by Kevin Land. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, Kevin, how do you see this section having overall importance to our lives today? I mean, it kind of reminds me of that sort of cliche Bible verse, you know, the one that goes, ask, seek, knock, because like, uh, it it says like God's so approachable that all you have to do is ask him and you know he'll give it to you and he'll guide you in the right direction. So yeah, no, I I mean there's a reason why Jesus said that because right. he says it's true and we should believe him in that. And and I you know I like that you point out that it's cliche. And here's what I think about cliches: Bible verses that are cliches are only cliches or we only feel like they're cliches because we're sinful and broken and fallen creatures. Right. We don't have to think of them as cliches. And so I think it's a fantastic um, way that you just modeled for us what it means to kind of use um, God's scripture to interpret scripture. So we, we, we see this, this, this story of Solomon. It reminds us of a saying of Jesus. It points us to Jesus and how he shows us how approachable God is. Like literally how, how literally down to earth God is. Cause you know, Jesus yeah. came down to earth anyway, down right. to earth yeah, yeah. <laughs> God is, and he's going to come back one day too. But he's with us by his spirit right now, and, and he is right there. He wants us to ask him those things. So I think that was impactful for me just hearing you say that and um, just having the reminder of the importance of prayer and asking God for things, um, asking yeah. God for things. I um, Not too long ago, I um, was trying to— um, I was trying to make some big decisions, and I— had a mentor of mine who said, you know, be praying about this every day. Be praying about this every day. Just ask God, like, Lord, put the right person in this spot. Like, Lord, do this, you know. And and that was the example he gave is the simple prayer. But I like that you emphasized that because that just kind of re-inspired me and reminded me um, about the importance of asking God. So I think that's a good, um, and also seeking wisdom, seeking our wisdom from God and his word is important as well. 
and that we don't have to yeah. do it alone. So there you go. All right. Well, Kevin, it's been a pleasure. As always, we end our podcast with a random question. I know you've been itching to hear what this random question is all about. So here we go. I have. All right, Kevin. One day, not in a dream. This is not a dream. Okay. But one day you're walking down the street and a genie appears. And he says, I grant you one wish. What would you wish for? Uh, well, okay. So are there like certain limitations or rules? Like Aladdin? Are we talking like We're, no hey, falling in love, no infinite wishes? Or? No infinite wishes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to limit okay. you there. But okay. everything else is up for grabs. All right. So you say no infinite wishes. What about infinite genies? Because that's two in one right there. Because first of all, I will have unlimited wishes anyway. But also, I will have unlimited friends. So, indeed, you know, wise two birds why, out with one stone. Wise you are, young one. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So Kevin just took this whole genie thing a brand new direction that I had never heard before. <laughs> I thought I was smart, but Kevin just one-upped it, and he just got infinite genies. All right. I don't know what I would wish for. I think I would just wish for, um, I think I said this earlier in an episode one week, I would wish for um, a house. Well, actually, I didn't say this particular thing earlier in this episode. Um, I wonder if they can hear my child crying in the background. I'm sure you can. I don't know if that's on the recording or not. But anyways, uh, I would wish for a house. Actually, I know. I would wish for all of my friends and family to be transported into this neighborhood that's, that's in the middle of Disney World. Interesting. Yes. And we would live, we would all live there together in the same neighborhood. All my best and closest friends, all my family. um, And we would be there in Disney World and I would be able to go to uh, all the different places in Disney World. And did you know that that's actually what Walt Disney envisioned originally for Epcot? Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes, it's actually very hard to concentrate with an infant crying <laughs> back and forth. Um, but anyways, I'm going to try to finish this. Uh, EPCOT stands for, I think, Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. So, um, yes, yes, Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. So the the land of EPCOT and Disney World was originally under Walt Disney's vision was to be that neighborhood that I'm talking about. And I think, um, I'm not saying that Disney World is like, you know, heaven. You know, obviously there's a lot of secularism and stuff with that. And obviously we went a little off track with the genie thing. But I do think that there's something to it. And that, um, indeed, we will experience a lot of these amazing things. A, A lot of the stuff that Solomon experienced, like, the stuff that he ate and drank him in one day, like he had everything he needed. It was, it was just awesome. It was so cool. He had all his friends coming together, uh, throwing parties. Now Solomon threw some, you know, inappropriate party, but, 
Uh, Jesus yes, is the best party thrower, and we will be partying it up with Jesus, not in the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, but in paradise forever. Absolutely. You like how I wrap that up there? 100%, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin, it's been awesome having you on the show. Hey, listener, if you have questions or feedback, um, I haven't checked the email in a while, but whenever I do, there's no questions or feedback or comment. So tell us something. Tell us that you're listening. Share this podcast. Subscribe to it. Um, like it. Uh, spread it around uh, with people who are beyond Messiah. Let's expand this a little bit um, as we uh, try to show people that God's Word is approachable, accessible, adventurous. So thank you, Kevin Land, for being on the show with me today. Email, thank you for having me. Email your questions to growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Sorry I interrupted you there, Kevin, because I no, forgot to say the email. But anyways... We will talk with you all next time. Peace.